Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, one of the technical editors at Bike Radar, and with me today is Warren Roster. He's the senior road technical editor across Bike Radar and Cycling Plus magazine. How are you getting on, Warren? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Excellent stuff. Uh, what have you been up to at the moment? What are you, what are you cracking on with? Um, I've, I've seemed to have spent an inordinate amount of time over the last couple of weeks testing a whole heap of um, e-gravel bikes, which oh, yeah. has been which has been fun and sort of enlightening. Um, and yeah, and and they're you know big varied bunch. Everything from you know a three T. 3T Explorer Boost, which is not that much heavier than a normal gravel bike, um, doesn't look any different to a standard um, Explorer. It's just got a e-bike motion system hidden rather nicely, mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's fabulous. And then all the way from that, going up to um, Cairn with their Brave, which is you know super slack, long front and center, two and a half inch mountain bike tires on 29er wheels, and hugely torquey Shimano motor in it, um, which is, I would say. I don't know how to best describe it. It's it's both um, completely irreverent and absolutely vital. <laughs> it's just you know uh, it's so much ridiculous amounts of fun. But you just think, do I? You know, it's one of the things you think. I don't need this. I'd never need this, but I really need this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's been been great. But you know, um, most exciting is like finally my my um, new gravel bike with SRAM Explore arrived after being stuck in um uh, in uk customs for an inordinate amount of time you mm-hmm. know obviously it, i missed the the official launch um but i've got the bike now i took it out for an hour last night um i've been out on it um i literally got back about half an hour ago after like six hours of riding it today so it's fresh in my mind on on everything that SRAM are doing you know um excellent uh you know the aim of the bike is just make make gravel riding much much smoother um I only wish it could have made uh, the transition through UK customs much smoother, <laughs> but um, um, yeah. So, so you know, um, I, I've 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 sort of formed early opinions. So, as you as much as you can after seven hours of riding, I guess. Yeah. So, um, quite a lot of gravel. We're um, if you've seen the title of the podcast, you'll know that we are going to talk about SRAM's Explore components, um, but we'll get onto that in a minute, I reckon. But um, what's your what's your take on e gravel bikes? Very quickly, I've got um. Uh, a friend John, who used to work with us, works now for Merida, and he's got um, an e Silex um, that he's just told me he's is lined up for me to have a little spin on in the autumn. Oh, cool! Um, so we'll have a chat about that at some point in terms of uh, what might yeah. be wanted work-wise. But um, yeah, I've never ridden um, an e gravel bike. I've ridden sort of racy gravel bikes, but um, yeah, what... yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, I was always sort of, I guess, sort of cynical on the whole kind mm. of. Do you need it? You know, it's a bit. You know, I can see the place for an e road bike um, for. A certain type of rider, whether that's older, or you know, if you're riding in an equal group, so all mm-hmm. your mates are so so much faster than you, especially on the hills. If you've got an e road bike, then it, it's a great equalizer, that sort of thing. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm but I'm a big fan. Of, you know, we've talked about some podcasts before. I'm a big fan of e bikes mm. as transport. You know, I think it's you know, I think it's the future. E gravel. I was always sort of a bit kind of. It seems like a a niche of a niche sort of thing, but. Mm-hmm. I I have to admit I'm an absolute convert. Okay. I really am, because you know I've I ride e I mean I ride gravel bikes a lot, um, and I think it's really dependent on what you 
consider to be gravel riding whereas you know for a lot of people you know i'm talking globally you know gravel riding is riding big wide open roads that yeah. are just out, that happen to not be surfaced um but whereas i think in the uk and especially you know my local area which obviously you're familiar with you've done a lot of gravel riding out this way as well um it's a mixture of those gravel roads but then it's old school mountain bike single track not super technical signal track but it's single track mm. and it's byways and it's bridleways and and there's a couple of the, my favourite gravel route, um, routes around there, big loops. There's a couple where there are climbs that sort of get into that sort of 20, 20, 25%, you know, gradient. Super, super steep. But they're super narrow. And they're really, really hard. And on a normal gravel bike, no matter what gearing I'm running, you know, that, and that includes, you know, running like a like a SRAM mullet with a mm. 1150 on the back, you have to get out of the saddle to hit those climbs. But you're riding a gravel bike, your tyres are skinny compared to a mountain bike the uk's climate means the surface is never optimum so you'll inevitably slip the back wheel you'll dab a foot then you're walking yeah most gravel most gravel rides as you know in the uk involve some element of hiking yeah e-gravel bike you get away with it right because when you hit those super sleep slopes you put your you know you put your max turbo boost power whatever you know you put it in a full-on setting you sit down you get in that low gear and you basically ride like a scrambler and you scramble <laughs> up those slopes and you just keep going and you grind all the way up. And once you've done that one climb, you know, it's one particular climb, which is over near, um, there's a place called Avery. It's like Standing Stone. It's ancient. You know, it's as, should be as famous as Stonehenge, but it isn't. Mm. Um, and there's a climb just near there that I've never, ever cleaned on a normal gravel bike. It's okay. just never done it. And the first time I took an e-gravel bike there, I got up and I got to the top and I went, these make sense. <laughs> this, yeah. this is why you need them. And, uh, and when, you know, you're looking at the really good ones, things like the 3T, or there's another one I've been riding recently, one of the, at the cheaper end of the scale, GT um, GT Grade, which is a bike I love. I own mm. one. They've done a power version, the, and it's the power ramp, but it's only the aluminium frame. But in terms of e-gravel bike pricing, it's pretty cheap. It's sub three grand. Mm-hmm. And that thing's awesome, you know. And so it doesn't, it, it's not about price. It's just about choosing the right bike for you. And then at the other end of the scale is this Cairn Brave, which is phenomenal. You know, I was riding it, most of the day yesterday um, with one of our photographers and he was on a full suspension e-mountain bike mm-hmm. and we were riding proper mountain bike trails for most of the day and it never put a foot wrong. You know, it was absolutely awesome. You know, I'm, I'm an old, you know, I'm a mountain biker from years and years ago, but I don't own any modern mountain bikes anymore because I just don't have the time for it and I don't know what to buy. Um, <laughs> but riding that cairn yesterday... It's effectively a big E twenty nine er hardtail. Yeah, but it's got drop bars. Yeah, and I was riding that and going, ah, uh, yeah, this. If I if I if I need to scratch that mountain bike itch, then this is the bike that I should. Right. Okay. You know, I should salve my my itch with. So yeah. So yeah, I, I you know I have to say you know um, e gravel. Yeah, well well up for it. And, and as you should borrow that Silex and um, get out on it because. Uh, I uh, I guarantee you'll just be having fun. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. I'm pretty. I'm pretty keen to. I've got a, my eye on a few rides I'd like to do on it, just to sort of try different things. Some like real steep technical stuff, or relatively yeah. speaking, at least. Uh, but also like some big days. See if it can just like relieve a bit of the either tedium or um, sort of leg tiredness over sort of a hundred yeah, hundred fifty k yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Most definitely. I mean, because that's the thing is, uh, especially on, on, you know, on on 
when you're talking e-gravel because you're spending most of the time riding above where you'll need the engine anyway. So mm. as long as you've got a system that has very little drag and that's, you know, e-bike motion has very little drag. Um, for Zua, you really can't tell it's there when it's off. Um, you know, so, so those lightweight systems are actually really good for that because you can just ride, you know, ride it as a, an acoustic bike as it were, yeah. and then just electrify it when you need it, you know, and it's, um, uh, yeah, and having it right at the end of the day when you're when you're shattered and you just want to get to the pub, coffee coffee shop, pub. <laughs> yeah. For you, probably some sort of pie shop or somewhere you can get <laughs> somewhere you can get beans on toast. Exactly. Um, you know, it's just lovely to have it. You know, so yeah. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll reserve judgment then because I think I like you was a little bit um, skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I shot. think you know. I think it makes sense just to be a bit more open-minded when there's so much variety out there yeah well um so it sounds seems like gravel uh is something that you're well obviously you're doing a lot of so um, let, let's talk explore and uh we wanted to talk about i guess five of the key points um of this new sram explore um collection of products um just want to give a, a very quick overview before we d- dive into those top five things so what is uh sram explore and what's the point um, I guess the first thing is it's not um, it's not SRAM. It's just Explore. It's a collaboration between SRAM, Zip, and RockShox. Okay. Um, and it's just a way that they've kind of it's like they've seeded little extras into the, each each brand's kind of kind of ranges just to kind of appeal or broaden the whole kind of gravel thing i think you know it comes down to the fundamentals of what the hell is gravel because it means so much to so many different people mm. you know um for some people it's it's um putting all your worldly belongings in a variety of bags hanging it off it and going away for a few days and you know sleeping in ditches madness <laughs> that it is um for other people it's flat out racing you know it's like riding the, the most minimal lightest bike you can and, and hammering it on you know unruly surfaces um uh, but then I think there's another, you know, another group of people who just like the idea of just big day rides or you know messing about in the woods or, um, and and doing it on on bikes that um, will get you there faster, you know. Because um, I think the you know the age old argument, and especially with something when something like Explore comes along, that's like really challenging the, um, you know, the the status quo as it were. You know, there's a suspension fork in there, there's a dropper post in there, and so the the immediate reaction from you know a lot of people that I've, I've spoken to about it and a lot of online reaction is like we'll just get a mountain bike mm. and, and my kind of thing is like well, what if you don't want a mountain bike you know <laughs> it's that yeah. simple you know um you know for me gravel is the the thing that i you know i really enjoy when i'm not riding the road because like riding a road bike i can do it straight out my front door yeah i know if i i bought into mountain bike technology and i'm a big admirer of how good it is you know and how great bikes have got but there aren't many places in my immediate area that would be a challenge for the most technical new mountain bikes. Mm. So inevitably that means you've got to travel and with that travel comes all, you know, it would be like, um, the car I drive wouldn't be up to it. So I'd probably have to chop that in and get a van. And then, you know, you just, you end up being, you end up, you know, moving your bike to go ride somewhere rather than just getting on your bike. You know, mm-hmm. the bike for me is transport as well as sport. So, if I can ride from home to get to the trails I want to ride, then all the better. And it's better to do it on a gravel bike than it is on a mountain bike. Yeah. There are loads of super light, fast mountain bikes out there, but 
the simple fact of the matter is when you're riding a mountain bike, you're sitting pretty upright, so you're a sail. You know, you're a windbreak. On a gravel bike, it's got drop bars. It's got fairly low, long position. You can get down, hunker down, and, and get aero and, and move at road bike speeds. Mm. So I think there's, there's this whole thing where, I, I, you know, I think because gravel is such a new genre, I think it's gone past the point of being a fad. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going anywhere. No. Um, it's it's here to stay. And I think as much as I don't like the whole thing where everything gets into massive subgenres like mountain biking has, there are so many subgenres of mountain bike. It's, mm. it's, it's devastatingly confusing. Gravel almost needs it because if you're, you're talking about, you know, one certain type of gravel bike, you know, you take, take something, you know, beautiful and steel and covered in every fixture and fitting that there is out there and put it up against, say, the Cervelo Espero or... Um, or, or there's a whole slew of gravel bikes coming that you know that we know about that we can't talk about yet that are all on that kind of model of they're a bit aero, they're very fast, they're very light, but they're made for off road. Yeah, it'd be like talking about a road bike and going, right, what do I want to buy? Shall I buy a Trek Madone or shall I buy a Doors Galaxy? You're not the same customer. Yeah, you know, and gravel is that broad now, so it's almost like we need this kind of reconfiguration rethinking and i think what what the sram group i would say you know is is aiming to do is with these explore components they're kind of filling some of those gaps to meet the expectations of all those different riders okay um so i'm not saying you know um so you know when you when you drill that down into components it's 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 just you know um like the probably the biggest thing for the more road focused gravel rider is going to be the the new cassette option yeah um you know that's that's probably the big thing there's a new 1044 cassette whereas before you could only really have 1036 i think it was the biggest of 1038 and then you'd have to go into a mullet so then you'd have to get a an eagle rear mech um and then you have access to a 1050 only problem with a 1050 is as brilliant as it is and you know i do like it is the jumps are massive yeah but the jumps are massive across the board. It's not just when you're getting over to a fifty. There's this new ten forty four cassette has been designed with the with almost with a road rider in mind. So that the blocks progression is really nice. It goes 10, 11, 13, 15, 17, 19. Mm-hmm. You know, so that so that key area where you're going to be using it the most, you know, that sort of you know, the the fast, speedy flat gears are really nice space. They're almost road spaced. So your gear progression feels lovely. And, you know, that's one of the big things that I noticed after, after just seven hours of riding. Because to get out onto the, you know, the trails I want to ride most of the time, it's, you know, it can be like 10 miles of road for me. Yeah, I can do it all off-road if I want to. But, to, you know, today I thought, well, I'm going to do 10 miles on the road just to see, see if the claims about this cassette actually live up to it. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, it was absolutely, absolutely bang on. You know, I, I, I kind of rode up behind a group of... Um, roadies out riding one of the local clubs um and just you know i was spinning along happily with them and i was on a you know a gravel bike with a 40 tooth chain ring and a 1044 on the back and i never felt under geared you know it was like Mm -hmm. i could just sort of sit with them hang with them and you know then then you know uh dart down a lane to start having a bit more fun um and so you know it's got all these kind of you know it's the way that they're, they're thinking of doing this and the the approach has been that this is not exclusively at the high end either. It's you know 
all of these explore options go from the new rival axis at the you know at the lower end. I mean, it's still wireless, so it's still pricey. And mm-hmm. then you've got force options and you've got red options. So it's not like you're only going to see this on seven thousand pound and up bikes. You know, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be much much broader than that. Effectively, sort of for the masses. Then, so it's I guess like one of the, those key points then is that it is available at all those different price points. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is great. You know, it's a, it's a it's a great thing to be honest. It's you know, it's good that it hasn't just been put up in at the top tier and then hopefully trickle down at some point. They've kind mm-hmm. of they've jumped in straight away. And that still uses then the left and right paddle shifters to shift up and down the mech, uh, and yeah. the sort of the, the standard access stuff, regardless of the the level. Yeah, yeah, it all works with the you know works on the app and everything like that. So you can you can still you know sort of tune it and play around with it a little bit. But the only thing with the Explorer is it's. Um, it's it's designed to you know these components are designed for one buy, um, yeah. But it doesn't you know. But it's still it still access so it all into you know into works with each other. Um, but having that new ten forty four option on the cassette and, and the the cassette spread on it, it really does make one buy a really good viable option now. You know, because mm-hmm. um, you know one buy you know I've got I've got one buy um, gravel bikes. Um, you know I've got I've got one. You know, we said, you know, one of obviously SRAM's biggest rival. I've got, I've got a one by GRX Di2 bike, which I absolutely love. But you do feel the gear limitations on it, mm-hmm. um, just because of the, you know, a, a thing with the cassette range of it being eleven speed that jumps through a little bit bigger. And, and this does kind of this this ten forty four does kind of get in there and kind of uh, make things a little, yeah, a little better. You know, a little bit more. Um, so just a little bit more considered, I think you know. I think SRAM have been smart in that they've reacted to lots and lots of feedback mm-hmm. that they've been getting in from you know either sponsored riders or ambassadors or or just you know just general punters who've come back and gone you know well I like this but I don't like this sort of thing yeah and I think it's it, it they've literally filled that gap between people that are strong enough to ride on the existing one by systems the more road or cyclocross focused end of things mm-hmm. um and the guys that really you know people that actually like the the idea of going to the mullet system because it gives them that much lower gear you know so yeah. you get that you can get that 50 tooth on the other end but there's quite a lot of people i think that just kind of sit somewhere in the middle yeah you know you maybe don't need that crawler gear or want that crawler gear yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. oh maybe right. just where they ride it's just like it's it's unnecessary but they do yeah. want a they do want bigger than a you know mm. the, the existing existing range. Am I right in thinking that the that new Explorer Mac doesn't work though with the ten to fifty cassette? So if you couldn't have you couldn't be running like a a super low geared uh, drivetrain and like this mid range one at the same time with different wheels. It's a maximum. Yes, yeah. I mean, it does. It's um, the difference. The difference being is because it's this Explorer stuff has come from the road side of axis. Mm. It's all designed around the flat top chain. Yeah, which obviously Eagle Axis doesn't use. Mm. So although everything will talk to each other, it's, there's physical dimensions of of the standard mountain bike chain which you need for the 1050 won't go through the the pulleys. What's the advantage of this um, flat top chain? I think eventually they will roll the flat top chain out across all all the SRAMs stuff because from you know what they've talked to me about and what I've seen you know their, their sort of evidence of. It's a much much stronger design than a standard chain. Right. Okay. 
Um, it's stronger, it's quieter, and 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 it's longer lasting. So I just kind of think, well, I don't know why they didn't roll it out across everything. You know, they, you know they, there must be a reason for it. But um, mm. I, I, sh- I should imagine that, that that will be... The next thing for the that will, that will be the next thing. Yeah. Only, I mean, I guess the only thing is like... Um, SRAM are a much, much bigger concern when it comes to mountain bikes than they are mm. on the road at the moment. Um, and so they get a lot more original equipment specification on bikes. So if they had a dedicated chain, that might be something that turns off potential buyers, you know, mm-hmm. product manager buyers to buy to put on bikes because they can't go for a cheap, cheaper option from one of the secondary chain manufacturers. Yeah, KMC and the like. You know, and... Yeah, yeah. They'd have to buy a SRAM chain and therefore that might be the... Yeah, you know, that might be the the couple of dollars that um, gets them the big orders or not. Sure. Yeah. Um, the other thing there is uh, a new lighter one by direct mount chain set as well, um, and that looks like it comes with. Um, we'll talk about the sort of if there's any tech on there, but in terms of chain rings, uh, it comes with quite a few different options. Yeah, they've actually brought out a huge amount of options for it. I mean, it's interesting that. You know they've got they've got options that will suit lots and lots of gravel, or even probably appeal to you know even mountain bikes. Um, but then at the, right at the other end, they've got some really big ones that are aero profiled, which you'd expect to see on a time trial bike. You know, so mm-hmm. they've they've really gone to town on offering a huge amount of of direct mount options. But I have I mean as I say, I only literally got the bike yesterday, so I don't have time to sort of have a dig around and a look at it, but. The only thing is, if like, you want to go to a power meter option, mm-hmm. then you need to take off the direct mount chain ring, fit the Spider Quark yeah. power meter, and then put on the previous one by design chain ring. Yeah. So okay. there's no direct there's no direct mount power meter option, which is probably a good thing because once you wear your chain ring out, then your power yeah. meters. <laughs> but um, but it's interesting that it seems to be backwards compatible. As it were. Yeah, you can run the single-sided rival. Yeah, yeah, the rival, the rival power meter you can run. Yeah, but you don't get quite yeah, the same sort of quality of data as you would with a spider one. I mean, I've got I've got a rival meter that I've only just started using probably about a week ago, and um, um, at the minute it's tracking absolutely consistent with my okay both my force quark meter, which I've got on one bike, and I've got a red quark mm-hmm. D zero meter. And it tracks pretty much the same power. The only thing it doesn't do, because it's single-sided, is it can't do your left-right balance. Yeah. So I don't know how important that is. I mean, it's quite interesting to look. I go, oh, my left leg puts out slightly more power than my right leg. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, for some people it might be, you know, a, a deal-breaker. But for me, it's kind of... I, I'm Neither here nor I'm there. Pretty, I'm pretty impressed, actually, because it's so cheap. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um the the chain rings are coming 38 40 42 44 46 but you say that they're offering aero ones as well is that right 46 and 48 yeah there's a couple of aero options as well yeah yeah which is interesting and i mean you have to think of those chain ring sizes you know if you were thinking like traditional kind of road thing you might be going well they all sound quite small but because it's 12 speed and mm. you know the way shram's 12 speed gearing works out is they've kind of almost redressed the balance so you know, yeah there's not so much emphasis on the front rings being massive and you know, it's kind of a bit more equalised, then, you know, that's a big, big gear, you know, if you're talking yeah. like, you know, 4610 is massive. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when it, when it boils down to it. So, um, it, it's an interesting sort of addition that they've, they just kind of, they just kind of threw it in there, but didn't really want to talk about it when, when they were presenting all the new stuff to me. So, 
and I was kind of going, oh, well, that's kind of interesting, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've got a few mates at time travel, but I think they might be interested in that. You know, yeah, just yeah. going going one by on a on a you know a TT bike, but still having a really good range would. It's kind of a bit of a holy grail, really. Mm. It'd be interesting. You, you sort of obviously, there's the mullet way of um, on a gravel bike of putting like a mountain bike cassette and mountain bike mech on the back of your gravel bike. It'd be interesting if I mean I, I I mean I'm terrible at working out what standards will work with what, but you know if if you wanted a a one by drivetrain and you want a big chain ring 36, you know on on your mountain bike, short course mm. sort of XC racing, you could whack this on. You don't have to carry around a big. Uh, I presume the cassette's going to be a bit lighter at the top end than the mountain bike ones. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is the thing that that kind of it kind of um, breeds experimentation. I think. Yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see what some of the you know sort of smaller custom brands and custom builds out there what what, mm. what people try and what you know what they what they do with it because you know I, I do think the whole kind of exploration of gearing and and rethinking gearing is something SRAM have been at the forefront of for a long mm. time. You know. Yeah. Okay, so we've got um, well, our third one. The first point was you know, you've got a whole range, Rival Force and Red, uh, and then we've got this new gearing range. So I guess the third thing to talk about is probably the, um, the most obvious one visually, um, and that's the RockShock's Rudy fork. Um, so, so it's a gravel suspension fork. There's a couple of them I'm about, um, but this is RockShox's, um latest i guess because i guess if you want to talk about the history of suspension forks and, and, yeah. and road slash gravel rock shocks play a part in that yeah i mean this one you know this one's called the rudy they years and years ago they had the perry Rube fork which then turned into the ruby yeah um and that you know until obviously the uci bandit that was a really successful big mm. kit it won perry bay so you know it kind of proved its point um yeah this is an interesting one because you know, I I've made no secret of of liking short travel suspension on mm. gravel bikes. You know, um, I think as I've talked about before, and and as we, people have probably seen on on the feature about my my garage on bike radar, mm. um, I own a Cannondale Slate. You know, which was the first gravel bike to come with a suspension fork. You know, a big carbon lefty that only offered like thirty five mm travel. Um, and then, obviously, last year's bike of the year. You know, my my top gravel bike was the Cannondale Topstone Lefty, which is, for all intents and purposes, a full suspension gravel bike. Yeah, because it's got the you know the safe stay compliant pivoted back end, and it's got the new Lefty Oliver Ocho fork on the front. Um, so, I you know I was kind of I was I was interested to see how Rockshops would approach it, and as I say, this is only from like seven hours of riding, but. I am impressed. It does work superbly well, mm-hmm. but I think, and this comes from uh, having some conversations with um, with uh, you know uh, Rob Weaver, our our mountain bike supremo, because um, he's he's had the bike you know with the Explorer on it for longer than I have, um, and it, it's it was an, it's an interesting it's almost a kind of juxtaposition between the two of us the way that we were anticipating the, the suspension to be because Rob is steeped in mountain biking and you know very talented mountain biker and he seemed to be talking all about the the rock shocks um from a kind of mountain biker's perspective mm. on the suspension so talk about big hits and drops and you know almost like landings and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing which is what the suspension fork has become 
in mountain bike. It's mm. a, you know, it's a, it's for big hits and big, you know, big big smashes and everything. Whereas my thing was what I need from a suspension system on a gravel bike is comfort and compliance. Yeah, you know, and that's kind of what swing it for me. Going back to the the topstone lefty, there's. You know, one of my rides out of here, and I, you've probably done it when you've when you've been out this way, you know, because you've ridden out on the plane quite a lot mm. as well. There's one particular bit of trail, and it goes right through the main um, firing range, the tank firing range. And because it's heavily used by tanks, this particular trail, they have laid with flint bedrock, mm-hmm. and there's nothing else. And this is like a, I think it's like three and a half mile steady climb. And it's all rocks. Mm. There is, it's absolutely relentless. And by the time you get to the top of it, you're absolutely done. And you're not done in your, just in your legs. You're done in your arms and your shoulders. And everything aches because you are just being jarred constantly. And it's kind of when I rode that both up and down on the topstone lefty, you just go, oh, I feel you know, 100% better at the top. Yeah, like you're floating. Uh, yeah, it, it, just, it just took all that sting out of it. And that's... Kind of goes back to, you know, when Rock Shocks first started. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I was an early adopter when they brought out the Mag Thirty. I spent, I spent a whole um, terms grant um, when I was at college on a <laughs> set to put onto my my GT Zascar to go racing on, mm. um, and hated it. Took them off, sold it, lost a load of money, put the original port <laughs> back on it, um, but then again went back and bought another one, and you know, and and. I think those early rock shocks, because they were only sort of 30 mil travel, or you got a long travel kit to take them up to like 48. They weren't about landing big hits or, you know, big jumps or anything like that. They were about comfort and control. Yeah. And I think that's what, you know, in my seven hours of riding, that's what my impressions are. They just, they just add much more compliance, comfort, control. It just feels good. It just feels really mm-hmm. good. You know, my, my ride today, I sort of, I rode up through to get up onto the plane. I rode up through some some woods where there used to be some old um, like national race series courses that so kind of long defunct. But it being the summer holidays, loads of kids have been up there and have been building. So there is lots of really nicely cut in trails now. Quite a few jumps and big routes and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I did a couple of runs down there just to see, and uh, you know I was I was really impressed because even though. You know, I've got the long travel version, which is 40 mil. There's a 30 mil option as well. Yeah. Um, I couldn't bottom the fork out at all. Uh-huh. Even just, you know, riding off, like, you know, there's a couple of kind of two foot drops that, you know, just landing on flat, you know, just, you know, basically riding off a boulder sort of thing mm-hmm. and just landing purposefully fairly heavy. And I couldn't get the fork to, to bottom out. It's right. kind of got this kind of bottomless progressive movement on it. So I think they've, I think they've done their work on it, but it's got a really nice fast action. Yeah. So when you're riding on that kind of washboardy, cut up, rain rutted stuff, um, you're it's not it's not making your eyeballs shake. So I was going to say, I guess got two questions. One, my sort of scepticism over like a, a, a traditional telescopic suspension fork on a gravel bike is, like you say, like for me, it feels like gravel forks if you're going to have suspension, needs to have that really high-frequency chatter sort of insulation because that's what's tiring over a long day. That's what causes discomfort. Um, Mm. And if, 
you know, a regular fork, you know, it's got it's got bushings, it's got seals, it's got air spring seals, it's got all this sort of stuff. Is it as sensitive as it, I would argue, or, or feel that it probably needs to be? I haven't, I mean, as I say, I'm only talking after you know, sure, seven yeah, hours yeah. of riding, but I, I, it never, the fork never felt overwhelmed by anything I rode on. Uh-huh. You know, so it never, it, it, it always felt like it was doing what it should be there to do. Now, mm-hmm. you could argue that you would get the same from a, just running a big tyre. Mm. You know, which goes back to talking about what I was about, talking about earlier. You know, this, that Cairn Brave with its two and a half inch tyres. I mean, I rode it all day yesterday mm. and it was superbly comfortable because it's got two and a half inch tyres on it. Um, the, you know, the, the Canyon Grizzle that I've got with all the Explore kit on it felt just as comfortable. And yeah, it, yeah it's running a, a fairly narrow zip um, G40 40C tyre. Yeah, which isn't going to have um, all the rolling resistance of a big fat tyre all the way. Yeah, and so... When I was on road bits between, you know, between the between the gravel sections of the trails or, or whatever, it feels fast. It feels less compromised, and so it's a trade-off between accepting you're going to have a bit more weight from the fork, but having faster rolling. Yeah, which um, I, I would argue is probably more more important than than the weight. Yeah, the time. yeah, because you know that. Uh, the the build that I've I've got together. I mean, sorry, I didn't weigh it because um, I was just too interested in getting out riding <laughs> it. But um, it just didn't. It doesn't feel heavy. Yeah, yeah. I, I never felt like I was laboring on it, and mm. um, you know, after you know, sort of you know, setting the air in the fork and fiddling around with it a little bit. Um, I've spent most of the day. I didn't, you know, because it's got a lockout. But mm-hmm. I spent most of the day, you know, on the on the bits of road that I was riding in between because the roads around here aren't particularly good I didn't bother putting the lockout on because it didn't feel it didn't bob it didn't bounce it wasn't yeah so this you know, is... it, it, it didn't squash you up or anything it was just it, it kind of made the road more comfortable as well the only is... time you notice the only other times when you notice when it bounces is when you start to climb you know and you're out of the saddle this is my, my next sort of question you know on, on tarmac does it feel compromised no not at no. all not at all I know, oh, of course, if you lock it out, it's locked. Yeah. You know, so. And the lockout lever is uh, just on the top of the fork. So, presumably, yeah, if you're in the drops, yeah. or you, you're pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah. It's really simple, really easy to get to. Mm-hmm. Really, really easy to get to. And it kind of, um, you know, and it's it's from, you know, coming from being in it, in and around this sort of thing for so, you know, in and around bikes for so long, you look at the fork and. They've styled it and they've shaped it so it it's in keeping with you know the the slimmer yeah um, shapes of a road bike. So you know the stanchions look slim, the legs look really slim, and so I was looking at it going, oh, this looks like it's going to be you know as twangy as like you know an old Rockshox Judy or mm. or you know something like that. But it isn't. You know it's amply stiff. Obviously, it's through axle rather than the old QRs of the you know yeah. old cheaper forks, but but I think, you know, it's kind of all bringing it back to its suspension as as a comfort aid and a control aid rather than anything else. You know, it's like, um, I think if you're if you're kind of coming at it thinking, well, it's just going to be a mountain bike, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of like, you wouldn't say that about one of your classic um, um, sort of European style hybrids where you've got, 
you know, a suspension fork, like a Suntour suspension fork, yeah. or the old RockShox Metro fork on it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't look at that and go, well, you could take that it's down some trails. Yeah. yeah, that's a mountain bike. It isn't, you know, it's 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 suspension for something else, you know. So, so I think, I I think that's the sort of um, square, you know, the circle you need to make a square, or you know, mm-hmm. however you want to think about it, is like this isn't trying to turn a gravel bike into something you can, you know, you can ride, you know, black runs and you know, big big doubles or whatever. It's just no, it's not. It's just to make your gravel experience better. Yeah, and my kind of early thoughts are, yeah, it does what it says on the tin, sort of thing, really. Cool. Okay, well, let's move on to the the next bit of the um, collection, and that's Rockshox's uh, Reverb Access. Um, so that's obviously you know droppers a big big thing on mountain bikes. There's basically no mid range on a mountain bike that comes without a dropper these days, almost even including XC race bikes. Um, usually they have 100, 125, 150, up to 200 mil of drop. Um, and obviously when they're sort of set in place, uh, they're sort of rigid. Um, and they usually have like an infinite adjustment. So they'll go anywhere from all the way down to all the way up. So you can you can drop it a little bit. Um, uh, RockShox's reverb access is interesting in that it's wireless. So there's no um, yeah. cables to route. And I, I've got one that I'm running on uh, three different mountain bikes with one seat post. Um, and it's brilliant. You know, it takes literally, I don't know, 30 seconds to move from bike to bike. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually a fan. I hate maintenance and, and, and fitting droppers and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. this is this is great. So the they, they have made, though, a 27.2 mil diameter reverb um, for gravel, something that didn't exist beforehand. And it comes with 50 mil or 75 mil of travel. Um, but the interesting bit is it doubles as a suspension seat post. Is that... Is that the case? Yeah, yeah, it's, it, is, it is interesting. I mean, the first interesting thing is the way that it activates is because um, with SRAM's usual axis shifting, mm. it's, you know, right right lever makes things harder, left thing left lever makes it easier. Press them both together, it shifts the front mech. Obviously, it's the one-by system, so you're not using the front mech. So you press the both buttons together, that activates the dropper. Right, okay. Brilliant. Um, you know, on any, any um, axis system that can accept their secondary shifter buttons, the blips, as it mm-hmm. were. So that's force and red. You could add a blip if you wanted, and using the app assign that to operate the dropper. Okay, so you could have yeah, that on you, on the tops, sort of thing. Yeah, you could have that on the top of it wherever you wanted. You know, so um, it, it's very very tunable. But um, yeah, the interesting thing is if you drop the post even by just a few millimeters, like five mil, and then you know lock it out. Um, it's it doesn't lock so it it basically uses the the air spring as and it turns into basically a sort of suspension seat post okay and i was i was kind of playing around with that when i was out riding today because i'd set the saddle height properly to my height and gone out riding and i was using the dropper as you would and everything i thought i want to see how how this works if it works well um but i don't want to end up dropping my saddle a little bit so i'm not you know pedaling Mm -hmm. my optimum so i stopped you know got my allen keys out Raised the seat post up, and then dropped it to my height using the drop see, of yeah. function, so it was constantly active. Right, so it's not active at its sort of top half. At full, at full extension, it's completely locked out. Right, interesting. So, but if you just drop, you know, just drop it like you know a millimeter or so, then the air spring becomes active, okay. and so it becomes a cushion, and and it worked remarkably well, you know. Right. And in conjunction with the front, it gave gave me a feeling that was a bit like you know riding a top sound lefty basically yeah you know so 
it's a very it's a very subtle back end, but it's enough to kill the kind of road buzz and, right, and okay. chatter at the back end. Um, and it also, it, if you hit something a bit bigger, you do get that. Yeah, it takes it takes a sting out of the tail. It doesn't, you know. Um, and so, um, is yours got fifty or seventy-five mil of trouble? I think mine's the seventy-five. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. So and it gets good and, and way out of the way. And you, you, you sort of said you went to the local woods and, and hit some sort of single tracks. You know, like I mean, yeah. I, I've never used a, my my um, gravel bike has a twenty-seven two-seat person up until now. There wasn't really um, a dropper post for it that at least that I'd want to use. So it's, it, it it holds interest for me because I use dropper posts on the really bike all the time. Yeah, it is really good. I've got I've got the pro dropper on my own gravel bike, which is cable activated, but. It's got a really nice trigger that that works on a drop bar, mm. so you kind of you can pull it from the hoods or the drops because mm. it's like a double action trigger. It works really really well, and that's been really good. And and I just found that you know you could say you know a lot of people say well why do they need to drop a post on a gravel bike? And I kind of well because it makes it easier to ride stuff that fast. you that you <laughs> wouldn't really want to ride, you know, or you you think twice about because your saddle's not going to kick you up the mm. backside when you're hitting the really steep drops and things. Um, so it, you know, I'm, I am a big convert, a big fan of it. Um, but this, yeah, the, the reverb is is another level, really. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a case in point about if you want to go fast, you know, um, if you want to get down into a super low aero position when you're going downhill on mm. the road, drop the post, and then you can get as low as you like. Yeah. It's um. I I I wouldn't be surprised because you know the UCI banning the. Uh, Super tough positions. Yeah, I, I would be surprised the... if a couple of couple of riders might try a try a cheeky dropper on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you can be... get you can get so so low, obviously, because there's no saddle there. Yeah, know? that'd be interesting to see. Yeah, mm. obviously, you can't use if you are using your gravel bike for um, lots of off road adventures. You're not going to be able to use a seat pack uh, with the reverb. You know, probably a few people will be. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I guess you'd have to find something like a tail fin to. Take your baggage, but um, yeah, or you know, there's plenty of other bag options out there, aren't there? Yeah, bar bag or yeah, top tube bag or whatever. Mm. So, okay, so that's the the reverb access, uh, and the last bit of the package uh, is Zips 101 Explore wheels. Um, now these are fairly unique. Uh, Zip have been doing some interesting mo- uh, mountain bike wheels called the Moto uh, mountain bike wheels, um, and yeah, tell us a bit about what the thinking is with those, Warren. I mean, this is really this is a really interesting thing. I mean, it, sadly, it's the only thing that hasn't arrived on the bike yet. Mm-hmm. I I got a I was talking to the to the guys at Zip um, a couple of days ago, and they reckon it's about three weeks until till my pair finally land. But yeah, as I say, it's it's a bit like the it's based on the tech front that they developed for the Moto wheel. So it's a it's a single wall carbon rim. Mm-hmm. It's not as super wide as the as the mountain bike version. Um, it's more in line with a with a gravel tire range, as it were. But the idea being that this this single wall rim offers much more vibration damping and compliance than a normal carbon rim, because one because of single wall construction and also because of the method of of, of the way it's held all together. Mm-hmm. In that they call it they actually call it ankling technology. So where the spoke sits in the centre of the rim bed. Um, the spoke almost sits on a almost like a ball, mm-hmm. so it allows the rim to to rock, yeah, on almost like an, on an axis on the spoke. So it, it offers this kind of side to side compliance 
which is supposed to take the, the you know the sting out of of uneven road surfaces and um so i'm really intrigued to see what it's like i mean i know you've tried the mountain bike mm. version but you've been trying it with massive tires so yeah it's hard to hard to judge whether it's a tire doing any work or the rim itself so it's one of those things that i think the concept sounds impressive and yeah. really interesting and it almost sounds like zip have developed a wheel that will give you the sort of suedo suspension leading to the comfort that i've been talking about with the rudy fork mm-hmm. so it might be that this 101 explorer wheel set that lives up to the claims it might be either or that you wouldn't buy the rudy fork for your bike and the 101s you'd buy the 101s or the rudy fork you know mm-hmm. i mean so, i'm sure sram would have you buy both i'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what they want you to do but 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 i'm also I'm, I'm i'm quite glad that the bike that i've got has arrived without these wheels on it yeah because it means that once i get those wheels i can then try them on on that bike i can try them on one of my other bikes and actually fully find out whether that what they're doing is what they're doing you know yeah yeah um but yeah, it does sound like a really interesting thing, and it'll be mm. interesting to see also what the take up is on on Explore for for you know for next year for for a lot of gravel bikes out there because sure. obviously they've launched with the Rudy Ultimate Explore fork, mm-hmm. but there is a standard Rudy, which is going to be the original equipment put on a lot of gravel bikes, mm-hmm. and the interesting thing with that is that it's basically the same fork, it just doesn't have quite as good internal but you can buy an upgrade kit for a couple yeah. of quid yeah you know which is something they do on the mountain bike side of things as well yeah. so so um I, so you know my, like my early early kind of feelings are i love the dropper but i've been using cable droppers which um the cable dropper i've been using is, is perfectly good it does mm-hmm. exactly the same job it's significantly cheaper mm-hmm. not nearly as cool yeah. um <laughs> But you know the the reverb axis dropper is is a wonderful thing. Would I would I upgrade from my standard dropper that I've got to it? Probably not. But I wouldn't I wouldn't turn it down. Sure. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing for me is actually is the Rudy Fork. You know, if I was buying a new gravel bike and they they had one in their range, the same bike in their range, one with, one without, which I'm pretty sure someone like Canyon's probably going to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd go for the one with the fork. Yeah. You know, because it just does make... It just, you know, in that kind of slowing fatigue. Yeah. Making, you know, making your ride the best it can be for longer. It does what it, you know, it does what it does very, very well. So Mm -hmm. you've got less of that last hour of the ride where you just think I just want to get home or why isn't that pub open Yeah. or you know why didn't I bring more food all those sorts of things you know you'll get less of that and get more of the, the, the fun bit up front so um, I, I think on the whole you know what they're doing what they're doing with the whole Explore range apart from the silly um, silly way they've uh, spelt it um, is, <laughs> yeah. is excellent you know <laughs> good stuff I've I've already had you know quite a few people you know I met I met a few people out riding today and they're going what is it Ex- Ex- explorer 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 and I'm going no it's just explore yeah oh, okay 
So, but on their on all their press material, their their first like press thing they sent out, you know, the kind of invite to the presentation was mm. an explanation of how you say it. Oh God! Saying, if you have to give out an explanation, yeah, say it, the first thing, then yeah, maybe <laughs> think, maybe have another think. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want all the details on uh, all of these new explore or explore um, products from uh, the Saram family. Um, obviously, you can head to bikecreator.com where um, Warren's um, news piece uh, came in with a whole host of details, uh, everything from gear ratios through to pricing, um, all that sort of stuff is on there. Uh, you need to Google uh, bikecreator.com um, and then XPLR, which is how you spell explore if you don't want to use any vowels. Um, so yeah, just have a Google bikecreator explore. Um, you'll find uh, an article, SRAM and RockShox launch, gravel drivetrain, suspension fork, and dropper post. Um, and as I say, it is packed full um, of all the different bits of details that you're going to need. Um, if you head over to our YouTube channel, um, Rob Weaver uh, has done an excellent first look um, of the uh, drivetrain as well, uh, and fork and dropper. Um, I think there's some uh, ride impressions in there too, and there's plenty of footage of him absolutely shredding on his gravel bike with it. Um, so yeah, again... Uh, search YouTube, search for Bike Radar, SRAM Explore, XPLR, um, and you'll find it there. It's an excellent watch. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, thanks so, so much for that, Warren. Thanks for giving us a bit more of a deep dive into uh, the new products for, for gravel bikes. It's pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, lovely mm, stuff. I'm lo- I, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting more time in it and then putting up a a full, more lengthy review. Um, yeah, when, I'm, when I've uh, formulated all my thoughts about it yeah maybe maybe then i'll get together with mr weaver um on here and have a bit of an argument about it as well 100 percent. yeah yeah let's well, see um yeah rob's rob's got a, a group set as well and um i was promised one but um it hasn't shown up so um <laughs> maybe one day maybe one day the sram gods will look down on me with kindness uh, and send me a group set to be fair actually, I, I actually rather like my mullet set up on my laugh like uh I like I like my little bottom gear going up some steep hills now and again, so it's fine, it's fine, I'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks ever so much, Warren. Really appreciate that. And um No worries, mate. We'll catch you again in the podcast next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Bye.